Hey there, welcome back. This is episode number two of Coffee and Keto with Whole Health Concepts. I'm so glad you're here. This week's episode is a special episode. It is my first interview. My interview this week was with Julie Spears. She is your kidney disease coach. She has an incredible story, her own experience with kidney disease and how she got into the field. She talks to you about ways you can prevent kidney disease and what happens when you're actually diagnosed with kidney disease, what that looks like and what that process is going to be. I highly encourage that you sit back and listen to this. It's very informative. The statistic that she gave me is one in seven people have kidney disease. So you might not have it, but I bet you know six other people. So one of them will will get it at some point in life. I hope you enjoy this and I will catch you later. Okay. Hi, welcome back to Coffee and Keto with Whole Health Concepts. I am Leanne Wozniaka, and I am joined today with Julie Spears, who is your kidney disease coach, and she is going to give us some information today on how to prevent kidney disease, because that is what she does. So welcome, Julie. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I am thrilled that you are here. You're my first interview. I'm so excited. And of course, I'm recovering from a cold. And um, so I sound super nasally. So this should be really, really fun. And I told Julie before I started the recording that if I have a coughing fit, I'm just going to turn the microphone off and cough away. So hopefully it's while you're telling us something. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to get started. And I just am going to go through some questions and oops, and have you answer them for me. Okay. First question, how did you get into the kidney disease field? Yeah, it was kind of a, just one of those, um, God moments where I got a phone call and, um, a friend of a friend said, Hey, we have an opening with a dialysis clinic. And in the beginning, I was like, I'm not at all a, um, in the dialysis profession. So I just don't know that that's for me, but it turns out that I had stage three kidney disease. I had a kidney removed um, just a year prior to that. And myself got on Google and thought I was done. And so obviously I'm not dying and I did not have to do dialysis. Um, So here we are, however many years later. And um, yeah, I'm still at stage three and doing good. So I worked in the dialysis industry for about 20 years and still there today. Okay, so so that's a journey. Yeah, that's a piece of information that I didn't know. So when you found out you had kidney disease, did you know what caused it? Do you know? No. And I think that's the interesting thing about kidney disease is it is a silent killer. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people don't know that it's a silent killer because there's a lot of myths about kidney disease, such as my back's going to hurt, or maybe I'm not going to urinate as much or, but that's, that's not it. Kidney disease is totally silent. So for me, I had a blocked ureter and we did not know what percent my kidneys were actually functioning at until after they had to remove the kidney. Um, And then we, we saw what the functioning was with only one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So when I started working uh, with the dialysis company, Mm -hmm. um, seeing the patients in there and just, I could feel their fear. 
um, I could hear the curiosity and the wonder of what comes next or how long am I going to live or how long can I be on dialysis? And so that kind of prompted me to say, okay, I want to learn more. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, one of the nephrologists who was the medical director at that time said, well, you want to learn? I'll teach you everything you need to know and took me under his wing. And I started following patients through the hospital with him. I started educating during a CKD, a chronic kidney disease clinic that they were holding on Fridays. And what that taught me was that you can't do anything about what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So we can't, we can't slow progression. We can't um, look at alternative ways or new habits to form if we don't understand it or if we mm-hmm. wait too late. And so that's kind of what led me here today to the coaching, to the kidney coaching. Uh, yeah. It, it... I think you have hit on a niche that's going to blow up once people realize it. It's kind of the, my premise is prevention for Alzheimer's and diabetes, which is kind of how you and I connected because diabetes is such a leading cause to kidney disease. And um, yeah, that's just, yeah, I get it. The prevention piece is the most important thing. And it's just really hard to get people to understand that, that you have to, you have to be preventative in order to not get it. So, okay. The next question that I had for you is what is the leading cause of kidney disease, which of course I've already mentioned diabetes, but then now knowing that you don't have any idea what caused yours, I really want to kind of unpack that a little bit more, how we know that there are things that do cause diet, cause kidney disease. And I want you to talk about that, but then let's talk about how many people actually get kidney disease that don't have any of those preconditions. Yeah. So kidney disease um, affects one in seven. The two leading causes are diabetes and hypertension. Okay. Then you also have things like polycystic kidney disease, which is a hereditary condition, maybe a chronic infection, which is few and far between. Um, And then there are other things, um, you know, people may spill protein in their urine, but there are other factors that can lead to kidney disease. Um, But the two leading causes are diabetes and hypertension. Okay. Um, What we find is that, you know, somebody who has diabetes or hypertension, if you don't know about kidney disease, then you don't know that you have it or you don't know what to look for. And really it's a simple blood test um, that we use to say, how are my kidneys doing? Or that we learn, we teach that through the program as far as how to follow and watch your kidneys as they progress, or hopefully we can hold them where they are. And a lot of that is through being compliant with your physician and taking care of, of what's going on within yourself. Yeah. I know with my mom, cause she's, she was diabetic for years and then we reversed her diabetes, but it's back. But even after we reversed her diabetes, there was enough kidney damage done that she's always got high protein in her kidneys. And, yeah. you know, so it is something that they try to keep an eye on. <clears throat> um, so what happens when someone is diagnosed with kidney disease? What does the prognosis typically look like? Yeah, it could be a range of things. And I think that's the interesting part about kidney disease. And, and I've said this for so many years, it's not cookie cutter. Okay. There's not anything that's cookie cutter about kidney disease in, in a way that it's going to affect everybody the same other than once it's progressed, then the damage is done. And so that's where I come in is how can we slow down the progression? So the big thing is knowing what your kidneys filter, you know, what is their function? What is their filtration rate out of 100%? And the only way to know that is by a blood test is, is the, 
is the main way. And then the other thing is, is once you know, then what kind of healthy habits can you pick up to slow that progression down? And how can we keep it from progressing to stage four, stage five? So we have five stages to kidney disease. The, the stage one is where your kidneys are, I don't know, 90 percent um, in that 90 percent entire range. And then we also have stage two kidney disease. Uh, we have stage three. Stage three kidney disease is where the kidneys are right around, say, 50 to 45 percent. When they get below a functioning of 45 percent, we suggest to go see the nephrologist about that time. And the reason is because there are medication modifications. Maybe there's a diet modification where they can help you to dig in just a little bit more to see how to slow that progression down. I do want to say that in working with patients, one of the things that I heard quite a bit is, you know, I go to the doctor and they, you know, I spend an hour in the office, they draw my blood, take some less than 15 minutes and I'm out the door. That is life-saving time spent. And the reason for that is because that blood work is like your fingerprint. It tells them what's going on with the kidneys. And again, that's the main way to know how those kidneys are functioning and what that function is. They're fascinating. Okay, so we we know how tragic it is. What percentage of deaths happen from kidney disease? So that's kind of a unique question too, because people can live on dialysis for twenty years. It's crazy. So and we also have. Isn't dialysis painful though, or is it just really inconvenient? I think it's more so inconvenient new way of life. And okay. I think that's part of the, the misunderstanding with, um, with dialysis is, you know, it's kind of like brushing your teeth. If you do mm -hmm. a really good job and you do it every day, then you're not going to have as many cavities or as many problems. There may still be some, mm -hmm. but if you brush your teeth only in the morning when you wake up, you know, you're doing it, but are you following the proper hygiene technique. And I think that's the same with kidney disease is when you have it, no matter what your stage is, is that you wanna watch that kidney function and you want to, to pick up new habits, like I said, to try to slow down that progression because I've been at stage three since 2003. So there may be a chance that I will never progress further. Okay. You know, I exercise, I, Luckily, I don't have diabetes or hypertension, but even those who do have diabetes or hypertension, you have a chance to slow that progression down by being compliant, learning more about your diet. Exercising has shown to, to reduce the risk by 50%. So, and, and that's 20 minutes a day. The American Heart Association says exercising an hour and a half a week can help, I mean, dramatically 50% is huge. So mm -hmm. I think it's those types of things that we really want to focus on. Now, when somebody progresses, let's say they're at stage four, because mm -hmm. we talked about that a little while ago, that would be the time that we're starting to prepare. We're starting to learn. We're looking at labs where we're trying to figure out the diet. Kidney disease diet is one of the things that I hear people say, if they had just given me a diet, there is no special diet. It's watching your sodium. It's making those healthy food choices so that your kidney is not having to overwork and to filter out those toxins in there. So even when somebody, let's say they progress and they're at stage five, we can still slow down that progression. But I think the most important part about it 
is knowing where you're going and what choices to make so that if you have to go on dialysis, you're prepared, you're making wise choices, you're not affecting other organs in the body, and you're ready with the right physician who is able to communicate the best with you. Gotcha. Okay. So for people like me, I've heard of dialysis my entire life. I don't know what that actually encompasses. What happens when you go and get on dialysis? What's the procedure? Yeah. Great question. So, um, and I use the stages a good bit because I think that kind of helps to give a better understanding. Mm -hmm. um, and we can talk about how to, how to um, identify those stages if you'd like in a Absolutely. moment. So one thing that we look at, um, let's say for dialysis is, um, and you said, absolutely. So I'm just going to move into that if it's okay. By all means. So we got stage four. We talked about stage three, 45%. You're going to start seeing a nephrologist and that may be once a year. He'll let you know, depending on your diagnosis and what the cause is for your kidney disease. The next thing we do is once you start hitting that stage four kidney disease, um, and that's usually about 25% filtration rate. Um, and, and I want to clear something up first before I go into that is how do you know what stage and what that filtration rate is? That's done by a test. So we have one test that's called a serum creatin. That's usually done every year by your physician if they draw your yearly lab work. That's something they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So what you want to know is what is the serum creatinine? Now, under that serum creatinine is another test that's identified by EGFR. It's your estimated glomerular filtration rate. To me, that's the most important test because we understand it. Physicians have their own language. We don't get it. But what we do understand is what percent out of 100 did their kidneys function at? So for me, mine is 65. The way they figure that out is they take that serum creatin and they formulate it by your age, your race, and your sex. And that number, so like I said, mine is 65, then that will tell me my kidneys function 65% out of 100. So anybody who gets their yearly lab work done, they should be able to identify what that score is. So that's where if it's under 45, you want to at least get a, a visit in with a nephrologist and let them follow you. Maybe they say, we don't need to see you back for a year, or maybe they say two years, but you want to see them. Mm -hmm. It also lets you to know different things to change. So, and we can talk about that in a moment. So we got stage four. Stage four kidneys are about 25%. Um, and that's when we start preparing, looking at dialysis modifications. Dialysis needs the right access in place and the patient needs to choose the right modality, meaning for an access, it would be a fistula in the arm. If you're going to do it um, at home or in a clinic, it goes under the skin. Mm -hmm. um, it is where they tie your um, natural artery and vein together. There's nothing synthetic. Um, there's another access that they use that's called a graft. The graft does have a piece of synthetic material and they can put them in the arm here. I can put them in the upper arm as well. Wow. And so um, there is the graft. Now the graft can take a little bit longer to heal um, or, or it does not take as long to heal. The fistula can take up to three to six months. So we want to be proactive. And the other thing too is the patient can have these accesses in place for two to four years sometimes, which to me is a good thing because that means that you have something in place for when you need it and that you're able to slow down that progression. Okay. Um, now the other thing is when patients crash onto dialysis, let's say they hit that stage five, um, their kidney function is, is less than 5%, um, you know, maybe 10% depending on what their disease prognosis is. 
And if they're not aware and they crash into dialysis, then they may have what we call a permacath, which is where it goes into the chest. So okay. it's a tube that they poke in and it sits on top of the heart and there's two lines that are hanging out. And so that patient is more susceptible to infection. They're not able to take a bath. They wanna keep it covered. And we don't want that. Nobody wants that. So that's part of being proactive where that comes into place. Gotcha. Now we're moving to the dialysis side. There's a couple different ways to do dialysis. And please know this is just high level covering. And so somebody may listen and go, wait a minute, there's something missing. There's a lot missing here. But I think the biggest thing is awareness and how to slow that progression. So for the dialysis, what that looks like is um, varies for in clinic, it's usually three days a week. And we're looking at about three to four hours per treatment. They're generally using this access that's in the arm, the fistula or a graft or the catheter that's in place. Um, they use one line, there's two needles inserted. They use one to pull the blood. It filters through a filtering system and then it returns back to the body. The treatments overall will take anywhere from four to five hours. And that's the time you get to the clinic you get connected and you receive your treatment. You have nurses that are there, your doctors are there. So your entire care team is there to take care of you. Um, so from start to finish, but the actual dialysis time in general is about three hours. Okay. Now keep in mind your kidneys function 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So when you're talking about living with dialysis, the important part is the compliance piece. Most patients are not able to drink or we don't want patients to drink more than anywhere from 24 to 32 ounces of fluid a day because they are waiting. You know, you're, if you see receive treatment on Monday, you're waiting until Wednesday to have that your next treatment. How do they not get dehydrated? Well, they're, they just don't, and their kidneys are not functioning. Wow. I, that, yeah, that's mind blowing. Yeah. I can't imagine only being able to drink so little fluid. That alone will make me never want to have, I'll do everything to prevent kidney disease. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I drink exactly. a lot of fluid in a day. I mean, this right here is a 32 ounce glass of water. If you tell me I can't drink that in a day, I'll be really sad because I drink about three of those a day. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we want is we want that water, we, you know, we want to drink. But now I do want to say, with me saying this, talking about water, water is not going to cleanse out the damage that's already done. So let's say that somebody, for me, stage three, I'm not going to drink all this water and clean up that kidney disease. What kidney disease is, is that's the filth that your kidney is made up of a of hundreds of millions of nephrons actually. Mm -hmm. And those nephrons have little, they're little filtering systems. So all the things that we eat that has potassium, phosphorus, sodium, whatever, our kidneys are having to flush that out of the body. So that number that I referred to, your estimated glomerular filtration rate is telling you how many of those toxins are coming out of the body versus how many are staying in that kidney. Wow. So what we don't want is for that kidney to become so damaged by the toxins to where your kidneys are only filtering out less than 5% of that waste. Okay. Because so let's talk about the toxins. Mm -hmm. What are the toxins that you're referring to? I mean, obviously they're alcohol, things like that. So, yeah. but touch on some of that. What, what do you not need to put in your body that would cause kidney damage or kidney disease? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is NSAIDs. So if you are somebody who is um, you know, you have a lower kidney function. And I want to make this clear because people tend to think, what am I going to do today to save my kidneys? 
You want to drink water, eat healthy, live your life. Um, what do we do? How do we do uh, as far as prevention when we're progressed to late stage three, stage four, stage five? And that's going to be NSAIDs. Or if you are at an earlier stage and you're taking goody powders four and five times a day, or you're constantly popping ibuprofen, um, Motrin, Leave, et cetera. And those are the things that we're going to quickly speed up that kidney disease progression. So those are the things to watch for is how many NSAIDs are you taking? A lot. <laughs> yeah. so we we want to definitely know what that kidney function is. I got my husband hooked on goodie powders too. So I guess I need to get all those out of the house. I mean, we just took them yeah. while we were dealing with this sickness because it just helped with the pressure, but yeah. I've, I've never heard anything good about NSAIDs, but knowing that, that's a big deal. Tylenol is the one thing that they suggest. Um, but again, you got to look at what percentage are those kidneys functioning and yeah. how often are you taking those things? You know, we've had people come in that say, I've taken a goodie powder twice a day for 10 years. Not good. Um, we've got people coming in that say, I'm taking goodie powders um, I'm taking Celebrex and all these other things and I'm not drinking, you know, so I think that's the big thing is just to keep close. And then you pile on diabetes or hypertension on top of that. And the kidneys are just on overload. Yeah. Yeah. My mom had both. She was on um, blood pressure, blood pressure medicine and um, diabetic medicines before we brought her in with us. And I don't know what level kidney disease she has. I'm sure she has some because they talk about her kidneys every time we get her blood work done, but they've never, they've never said we needed to even think about dialysis at this point. And probably because she does flush her kidneys a lot. She drinks a lot of fluid during the day, but, um, but yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to ask the doctor about it next time she gets her blood work done. Yeah. Can I circle back to that? Sure. So you mentioned probably because she, she drinks fluid, that would not be a good reason. So what I find happen right. is more than 90% crash on dialysis, meaning 90% never knew they were at risk for kidney disease. They okay. may have heard about the kidneys. They may have even known that there was a kidney impairment. They may have even walked around saying, I've got kidney disease, but they did not know what that meant. So what I want people to understand is you, everybody needs to know what percent those kidneys function at. Okay. Because there's nothing that you can do to slow down that progression without knowing that percentage. Gotcha. So you're a kidney disease prevention coach. Who's your ideal client? Who do you want to work with? Yeah. And I think when we talk about kidney disease prevention, it's more so slowing that progression or preventing it from a way of I've got diabetes my kidneys, I'm at stage two, I'm at stage three, or maybe I don't want to have kidney disease at all. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for healthier habits. So those that diabetics, hypertensive patients, or even just those that are looking for a healthier way to live. Um, there's a lot of myths right now about kidney disease. And I think the other thing is, is, you know, there's people too, that they, they know their health is, is not going in the right place. Mm -hmm. They, know that there are things that they should be doing, but they just don't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's who I want to work with. Nice. Nice. It's a lot about talking about the disease progression. It's talking about understanding it. And it's also the hope that you will never have to reach that with just a few habit changes. So what's your, what is, what is your coaching service look like? What do you offer? Let's get it out there so people can start contacting you. 
Yeah, it comes in several different ways. So I've got um, just that one hour call where if you just want it quick, fast and in a hurry, tell me about kidney disease, tell me what I need to do and let's go from there. I've got that in place. And then there's also a 90 day program, which includes the kidney education. It includes a little health coaching, mindset, meditation, and just really trying to dig in into what is your why? Why do you want to change? What is it that you're looking to change? And then together, how can we help to, to tease that out? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have a six-month program that includes a little bit more and we go a little deeper and we work a little harder and maybe even incorporate a little bit of exercising in there and a lot of mindset work. Yeah, I think mindset's huge. I love that that's a big focal point for your business. <clears throat> I love I that. it's a big key, a big key. yeah. And I think too, just having somebody to listen, you know, when we've got something going on and we know there's something going on, sometimes it can take years to identify what that is. Sometimes it can take just the right physician, the right test to understand, but we walk around thinking I'm crazy. Something's wrong with me. And there's not, there's not anything wrong with you. What is going on with you is real. But what we need to figure out is how do we get that out? Is it emotion? Is it stress? Is it tension? Because those are things that are going to cause you to have hypertension, um, the, that worry and that fear. And so that's what we're looking at to say, how can we, how can we get rid of that? Yeah. How can we take a step back um, and, and slow down the progression for our kidneys? That's a lot. I mean, so what I've learned just in this short conversation is that kidney disease can be very quiet. You won't, won't even have a symptom before you find out that you have it, that you need to make sure you're asking about it when you get your blood work done, because doctors don't automatically volunteer that information, which is kind of sad. Um, and then, you know, that the, the different stages can definitely predict where you're going to end up in life. But while there's no cure, there's definitely prevention and the, the stopping of progression yeah, and that you're the person that. to go to for that. Yeah. And I think you, you hit it. You, you said it just right. Um, one thing is taking control of your own health care. Yeah. If you have a heart condition, see a cardiologist. If you have a broken leg, you're going to go and, and, you know, you're going to see the right kind of doctor for the right ailment. So if you have a kidney, in, you know, impairment, you want to see a nephrologist. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you continue to see your family doctor, because there are some amazing family doctors and internists that are out there. But still, you want to make sure that the medications that you're taking are right for you. A lot of times the nephrologist will change your own medications because they want to protect the kidney event. Um, and that's that's really key. So getting in to see that nephrologist sooner than later and working with the right nephrologist for you is, is a big factor. So good. What's the main thing that you want to get out there for everybody to hear? What, what's, your, what's your big overall message for anybody who is even thinking about somebody they love or themselves and what their kidney function looks like? Yeah, I think you just need to learn. You need to learn all you can about it. You need to be proactive. You need to know that there are people like me that are here to guide you, to listen to you, and to help you to understand how to communicate with your physician. Kidney disease is a silent killer, but it affects hormones in the body like um, erythropoietin, which is you know your red blood cells. It generates those new red blood cells. And so if your kidneys aren't functioning, you may become anemic. 
It affects your parathyroid hormone. So you're looking at vitamin D, you're looking at things like that, that may show up years before you may ever know that you have kidney disease. So when things like that happen, I want you to be able to take action and to say, okay, I need, this is an opportunity for me to sow that progression by exercise, diet modification or different things. We talked a little bit about diet, kidney disease diet. There is not a cookie cutter diet for that. We look at lab work to determine how to change that diet. It's kind of like tomatoes. If you, you love a tomato and your potassium is fine, we don't want to take that away, you know? So we have to watch it as the disease progresses or as it requires it. But the big things are sodium. So make sure that you're eating, you know, fresh vegetables, going around the perimeter of the grocery store, staying away from those processed foods, processed meats, and making good healthy choices. Also the sodium you know, watch that sodium. A biscuit from Hardee's has over 200 or 2,000 milligrams of sodium. So it's for those of you like not that. on the East Coast, Hardee's and Carl's Jr. are the same company because we have Carl's Jr. out here. <laughs> Carl's Jr. Well, a bit, you know, when you think about it, you're like, oh, it's just a biscuit from Carl's Jr. But you don't think about that's over my daily limit of sodium that I should be having. So small modifications like that can really slow down that progression. Yeah. About four to five years, even longer sometimes. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Baby steps. And that's kind of what it takes. I, I just did a post about that today. Like what's your biggest fear about getting off the standard American diet? Because like you were just saying, the perimeter of the grocery store is where all the health is. And then you get on the inside. I saw a post not too long ago because now, you, now you've touched into my realm diet. Yeah. Um, I saw a post not too long ago that said, why does the grocery store need a health food section? Mm. Really? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, but you know, even that's something that I'm confused by or I get frustrated by is, you know, I talk to people and they'll say, Julie, I'm eating so healthy. I'm like, okay, tell me. Well, it says on the box. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, on the yeah. box? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, it's things, you know, watch the boxes, watch the canned foods, canned versus frozen. Frozen is, is your, is your optimal choice. Five milligrams of sodium versus 600. So yeah. 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 It's crazy. What is healthy well, these days? Uh, <laughs> what is healthy these days? It's kind of, you know, that makes you want to pull your hair out in itself. But well, that's a, yeah. I've been whole foods. I've been a whole foods eater for, you know, 10 or 12 years now. And it just, you know, it baffles me. And some days it just infuriates me the cost of what a whole food cost versus the prepackaged stuff. And it's just manufacturing. I mean, we all know those of us who have studied anything about nutrition, why it's so much cheaper to eat packaged foods, but it, it makes me sad. And so I'm really grateful for people like you who want to get out there and educate people myself, because that's really what it's about. If you, you can't prevent it, if you don't educate yourself, and I'm just hopeful that there are plenty of people out there wanting the education so that when this podcast goes live and when we continue to do what we do in the forefront of social media and, you know, people that we meet face to face, that they have that craving to learn because otherwise the healing process can't start. So that's right. Yeah. Prayers for that for sure. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's such a pleasure to get to talk to you again. I've been, I've enjoyed getting to know you and 
wow, what a big thing I learned about you today with your kidney disease past. No wonder you're so passionate about it. No, no, I've got to hold mine. So if I don't, you know, they say um, a way to help others is to, is to help yourself. So I think that's kind of yeah. the biggest um, what drove me here is I, I don't want to progress in my disease progression. I want to stay right where I'm at. And so why not bring people along that journey with me and, and let's slow down the progression together. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Well, I wish you so much good fortune and God's blessings on everything that you do. And I hope to get to be a part of this journey with you as your friend and, and yeah. colleague, and we'll just see what keeps happening. Well, I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Well, thanks again. And I'm going to hit stop record and then we'll chat for a minute. Okay.